gunning, I'm sure. All right, I'm on. So, well, welcome back to Wednesday night prayer meeting. Uh, or Sunday night prayer meeting. My brain's tired. So, <laughs> Wednesday, you guys had a time warp you didn't know about, did you? Yeah, it's entirely possible. Um, it's not really. Okay, I'm going to wait these, these handouts. I realized I was coming out to jump into my next chapter, my next portion of chapter 12, and I just remembered I have not finished up my final, final points, so I want to do that tonight, and then I think we'll be able to move on to verses 11 and go forward. So um, it's good to see you all. Had a good day today. I heard Mitch did a good job. Um, uh, Amy said they didn't tell anyone where I was at, so I was at Living Faithly Summit in uh, Lee Summit, Missouri. Uh, Dan, Renault, and Carolyn and their family are out on vacation, and so he asked if I would come early last year. He asked, and I said, sure. So that was working out good. Mitch had this message, which I haven't heard yet on his heart, but I heard it was a good one, and uh, I'm glad. And man, it was just worked out good because it was the end of camp, and sounds like everything lined up just the way God wanted it to. So we've been talking about um, playing with pain, and uh, I won't regurgitate everything, but you remember I, my introduction to all of this was, was talking about how NFL players, you know, play for pain, with pain, and, and we came up with reasons why, you know, uh, in the NFL that is the case. Um, but we also have been looking at the Apostle Paul and why he played with pain. Uh, it's because he spent time in God's presence, and he saw life from God's uh, perspective. And the last thing we're seeing is that he served uh, under God's power. And so um, uh, so he spent time in God's presence. He, he, uh, he saw life from God's perspective. And then the last point I believe that I got to was in chapters... Uh, oh, I didn't even get that far. I, I apologize. So I'm just... Oh, I did. Okay. I did get that far, so I'm not apologizing. I take my apology back. So uh, so we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. And then as time permits, if I still have enough time, and I think I will, we'll move on to the next uh, passages uh, beyond that in, in uh, 11, 11 through 15. So um, 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, verses... Um, 9 and 10, he says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, uh, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Heavenly Father, uh, this is such a truth um, that when we're weak, you're strong. Lord, you don't need us, but you want us. Lord, you can take our mess and turn it into success. And you're such a good, a good God, Lord. You love us. Uh, Lord, you've, you've allowed us to... Um, serve in your kingdom through the grace of your son the lord jesus christ you bestow so much upon us that we don't we well we don't deserve any of it and and yet you still continue to bless us lord we i suppose we could spend every moment of every waking day uh praising your name and obviously it still is not enough um and lord you called us uh, to serve and paul is happy to serve uh, because he spent time in your presence lord he knows your purposes and when the pain came with serving he was happy because it was for your sake and he knows who you are and lord i pray tonight as we look into this passage we know who you are and that we would be encouraged in the word in the lord we just thank you and ask this in jesus name amen
All right, so the third point for study here is Christians serve under God's power, and the power of God's grace is enough. And that's really what we learned from this passage. I don't think I need to do a deep dive on, on expounding this um, because it's just self-explanatory. I mean, Paul says it the way it is. Uh, my grace is sufficient for thee. All he needed was God's grace. Uh, Philippians 4.13, you guys know the verse says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And a lot of your Bible perversions will say, who strengtheneth me? Uh, But it's really not who, it's which, right? So it's the things that we endure that strengthen us. Actually, man, I just missed this. I wish I'd appreciate this this morning at Living Faith. I ended my message. I just saw this. So I just ended my message uh, down there uh, without telling you the whole thing, which would take a long time. and you'll hear it again at the men's meeting. Uh, so, um, but basically, when you know, uh, I'll give away the, the the thrust of it now, Jeff, for you and the five other people that listen to this online. So, um, so whenever whenever I started the message in First First Chronicles eleven, which ends with David's mighty men, but then I took it. That's the model. It's a beautiful chapter. It's a beautiful picture of Christ in the church reigning triumphantly. It's just a beautiful thing. But then I took him back to the mess of First uh, Samuel 30 and ran him through this mess that David had to go through from being with the Philistines, dealing with his family being lost, all these other things. And at the end of the day, um, in First Chronicles 11 uh, and verse 10, it talks about how people were strengthened, how they, uh, the, the men that followed David, the mighty men that followed David, they were strengthened with David in the kingdom. Uh, the, the verse is First uh, uh, Chronicles 11 and verse 10. These, these also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel. See, they, what the deal is, is they endured the same sufferings that David was enduring. They were with him wherever he went, and they followed him as they could. Not all of them could go as far as David, but they all went with him. It wasn't just David that encouraged. David was under duress as well. But all of that strengthened them. Those become, the moral of the story is, those people that go through the mess with, with David end up reigning and ruling with David. They become the, the mighty men that are listed. And so it's just interesting because a lot of people don't really think about that. That's why God allows us to go through the messes uh, because it's strengthening us. It's the things which strengthen us. So uh, I didn't even think of Philippians 4.13, but that's exactly what Paul's saying. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, and the things that we do through Christ are what strengthen us. So we should take pleasure in infirmities because it's supernatural, right? In verse 10 he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches. So he's one of those guys. He's a little crazy uh, in, in necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Now, taking pleasure in those things is a little bit crazy. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's really even hard to think, yes, Lord, I'm really, it's one thing to endure it. It's another thing to take pleasure in infirmities. That's a, that's a, that's a whole nother level of, uh, that's supernatural. And so, uh, so, Paul not only endured suffering for Jesus' sake, he enjoyed it. That's what he's saying. (laughs) I'm like, wow, awesome. Thanks, Paul. So Paul took pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. Now, he doesn't say he took pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses, period. Right? He, He took pleasure in Christ's sake. Christ's sake. So... 
for Christ's sake, he was secure in Christ, humble in service, and powerful in spirit. So, uh, so we do, do we suffer because we're serving Christ, or because our wounds are self-inflicted, right? And that's the big difference. Um, you know, there's a part of us that should be happy to be suffering for Christ's sake, instead of suffering for being fools, right? Uh, and our own foolish ways, our own dumb decisions, right? So, uh, if you're going to suffer, that's what Peter says. It's better to suffer for well doing than for evil doing. And so as we go forward in this church age, as we're wrapping it up, it may be that we face some decisions where we can decide to to suffer for well-doing and take pleasure in that as opposed to suffer for evil-doing. And so if the powers that be would judge righteous people unjustly, then whose judgment, where's the judgment going to fall? It'll fall on the powers that be. So uh, that's where our minds have to be proper and understand that God is just and be patient and wait for God to do what God does. So those things are mindsets that we need to remember. So do we suffer because we're serving Christ or because we're doing self-inflicted wounds, right? It's one thing to go out on the field to play and take a shot and get hurt for the sake of the team. It's another thing to go out and just be stupid and, uh, you know, hurt yourself because you're not in shape, right? So that's a self-inflicted wound. Okay, so we wrap this section up. Credible Christians spend time in God's presence. Uh, They see life from God's perspective, and they serve under God's power. And that's what we've seen in this section. So um, as we conclude this thought here, are we we playing with pain? And is it self-inflicted, or are we suffering because of a sincere heart and that God's allowing us to suffer. We are enjoying knowing that we're suffering for the right reasons. And I pray that there's comfort in that. And, uh, some people need healing, uh, need, need their hearts encouraged, um, uh, that are suffering righteously. And then there's others that are carnal. And so whichever we are, we need to be obviously not carnal. We want to, we want to suffer for righteousness sake and take joy knowing that we're right with God and that his strength is made perfect in weakness. Um, B is taking pleasure in infirmities is supernatural. Taking pleasure in infirmities is supernatural. Don't allow others to puff you up. I know that's a bad. That's because the guy who wrote it doesn't know what he's doing. So. Don't allow others. Is, mine is actually don't allow others puff you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This should be too puff you up. So, all right. So, I'm going to give you guys. I'm going to give this one to Ron because it doesn't have a pretty border. But uh, I put a pretty border on these. So. This outline is really super simple, so you're going to not like me. Yeah. No. Jeff? No, you're allowed. I just didn't know if you wanted... Yeah. So, um, we won't get very far on this, but I did want to go ahead and jump in um, and uh, pick this up. Oh, wait, that's the wrong notes, so I don't want to do that. So um, so we're going to pick it up in verse 11. Let's just go ahead and 
continue reading the text. He says, I am become a fool in glorying, and ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I, I be nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it uh, wherein you were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. Uh, For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I feel like I want to pray again, but we've prayed. But praise the Lord. So we read that text, and uh, that's a sad statement, isn't it, in verse 15? The more I love you, the less I be loved. But you know what? That's the way Christian life often is. And, um, you know, when it comes to home construction... It's tough no matter how you cut it. Anyone in here build a house? I don't think so. So uh, you're not like contractors. But I just remodeled a bathroom, and it's still not done. And that was over a year ago. I still need to... I need to get a cabinet built in there, and I need to get some wall work done. It's almost done, but it's been almost done now for quite some time. So, um, but, uh, you know, when you're building something like that by hand without power tools... That would seem ridiculous. I was just at lunch today with some people, and, and uh, one of the guys at lunch was just lamenting. He's watching the the uh, the build the houses around him in his neighborhood, and and uh, the folks that are building it are, are not of of American descent. They're probably immigrants of some sort, and it's just painful for him to watch because they they take cut up two by fours to make ladders, and they they're doing all these construction techniques that just are like. He's like, man, I got a ladder in the garage. You just want me to bring it out, and it's just difficult, you know, because they're they don't are not they're not accustomed to working in the same fashion as us, because they don't have all the tools av- available that we have, and it seems ridiculous. Plus, they're spending extra money making you know two by four ladders they don't need to be spending, and uh, and so um, the reality is, tools make a difference, don't they? I mean, they do. The more accessible the power source, the better the tool. If you can get a battery-powered one that works with the same voltage, man, huh? Cordless. cordless is awesome. I know. I wish I had a cord. I got a. You know what? I have a cord. I have a, a weed blower thing and, and a wood leaf mulcher, and I do use it. But it's such a pain to plug it in. We're so spoiled as Americans, so and, and you drag that cord around the yard, you know. So it's nice to have that power and that availability. And it's right in your hand. Um, you know, once upon a time, many years ago, um, when I was in construction trades. Uh, um, uh, there was a time when guys used power cords with their, their tools. You know, today it's mainly uh, cordless. Um, but if a tool doesn't have power, it's useless. Yeah, it's it's useless. Uh, a tool without power isn't gonna isn't gonna be anything uh, that you want to use. So as Christians, we are to be tools in God's hands. So we're like modern tools. We come self-contained. We're like these magical, you know, drills and power tools that just need a battery pack. Uh, we have the Holy Ghost in us, uh, the Word of God, the local church, and it gives us the power that we need to complete the building project. And so as modern power tools, we get plugged into the work. And as individuals, God wants us to plug in um, and charge daily, right? we got to get in the Word of God. we got to get charged up, the Spirit of God, the, the Word of God. And of course, then we engage in the local church. And we're told in Hebrews 10.25 that it's important, right? Especially now, the church is getting weak. Why? Because we're not plugging in. The devil knows that. 
the disruption in the in the uh, in the world that we've had it affects the church. We need to make sure we're plugged in while we can, because we don't want to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Right? But our job is when we get together to exhort one another, and the so much the more as you see the day approaching. Right? So we need to be more fervent about getting plugged in, not less. And so we're power tools in God's hand, and He wants to use us. Some of us are not being used, and I think you guys are all being used, but some people in the church are not being used because they're not plugging into God's power. And uh, some folks go day to day without spending time in Christ and plugging into His power. They just are not plugged in to the power source, right? They're not charging the battery uh, spiritually. So others, on the other hand... um, are dropping in for extra boost because they've been filled with the Spirit, right? Some folks just need a little boost. I got a new phone, you know, my phone, the power on my phone, I don't need to power it all the time. My old phone, the battery was dying, so I was always plugging it in everywhere I went, you know. And uh, But my new phone doesn't need, it just needs a boost every so often, right? And so um, <clears throat> sometimes you just need a boost, uh, sometimes you need to be plugged in. But either way, uh, you know what, there are some who have been... Um, uh, created from the womb for God's use in building the body of Christ, but they've never come to life. They're like a power tool with no power at all. I mean, they're they're built for building the body, but they've never done it. And so, um, you know, we may got to make sure that people are saved, plugged into God's power, so they can accomplish God's mission. So, I want to look at this passage. Verses, actually, I'm going to get up to verse 21. But for today, we're going to look at the power of love. The power of love. And I know you think of the Huey Lewis in the news when you hear that. We've already read the text. So point A is that we do foolish things for those we love. And uh, we've already talked about how Paul's crazy love a few weeks ago. Paul, like you, is willing to go to extreme measures to prove his love for the church. Uh, we saw that, that God was not uh, one to boast about his position as quarterback of the gospel team. Um, but he would much rather glory in the uh, punishment he enjoyed while serving God. So Paul wasn't going to take all the glory. He's like, you know what? If I'm going to boast, I'm going to I'm going to boast in my necessities, in my in my in the things that happen on the field of play, uh, and the needs that I have, and uh, and the punishments I've enjoyed. He says I take joy in that. We just read it uh, by being in the ministry. And the, the, these are the things I'm going to take joy in. Uh, so several weeks ago. As we were in chapter 11, we saw that Paul was willing to act goofy, even. Uh, right? He says, I'm going to be a fool here, so I can help you understand how important it is to maintain the purity of the bride of Christ for her husband. Right? He says, I speak as a fool. And he was, he was getting a little bit crazy, saying, hey, I've espoused you to one husband. So he went through that whole iteration. So we do foolish things uh, for those we love. We act, we act a fool. We get crazy. We do, we do, we do all kinds of things for love. So love compels us to reach out to others. The word "compel" in Second Corinthians twelve eleven means force. Look at that real quick. I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have compelled me. You are, you are forcing me. Uh, you, you forced me. You've restrained me. You obliged me. <laughs> Can you imagine standing by idly as one of your loved ones is drowning in a pool? Or burning in a house, that's not going to happen, right? If you love them, you're going to be compelled. You're going to be forced to action. Um, Paul cannot resist telling of the marvelous grace of Jesus. Love is what compels us to preach the good news. Turn over to chapter 1. It's been a long time. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's been a few years ago since we were there. I think the lanes were still here at the church back then, and uh, I just saw them today. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
In verse 17 he says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of, of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. So there's some power right there. Uh, and so... Um, so it's so important. Now, in verse seventeen, uh, I didn't. I went. I didn't go far enough. Verse nineteen: For it is written, "I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring uh, to nothing the understanding of the prudent." Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Uh, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, we often focus on the fact that this passage says, you know, he uses the foolishness of preaching and that preaching is foolish, which is in essence what he's saying. But also, if you read, really deconstruct what he's saying here, he's saying the wisdom of this world couldn't perceive the goodness of God. So they've lost their opportunity, right? After the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So the wise of this world, the scribe, the disputer, right? Jesus came to his own, his own received him not. He's like, oh, guess what? The, the, the wisdom of the world already came and he's went. He's already went back to the third heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. So guess who I'm going to send? I'm going to send these preachers full of power. They're fools for Christ's sake. Why? Because you wouldn't receive my wisdom. Jesus Christ is the wisdom. He's the fullness of wisdom, right? He has the, he is, the, you know, if you want to be wise, you need the mind of Christ. Well, Christ then obviously is the mind that you need. You need his mind. All right. So, it's by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know, I think back when we, many years ago, when we first started the church, I, I had the privilege of going up to the stadium and being a part of the crusade Billy Graham did. He was, he was uh, 87 years old at that at that assembly he's obviously passed on now that was in like 2004 i think and uh he was 2000 or he was uh, he wasn't 2000 he was 87 at the time and he was frail let me tell you were you guys part of that okay so um and then what was even more amazing to me was to see 95 year old george beverly shea uh, you know, also be a part of that. Now, George, he's also one. They both died since then. But at this time, I had the privilege of being there and seeing these guys. I mean, Billy Graham literally almost looked like something out of a movie. White hair, you know, sitting up on this huge wheeled in in a wheelchair, sitting behind this huge desk, like a judge sitting up there. And, uh, you know, and he preached. It was a good message. He preached on judgment and uh, what was to come. So what moved those guys? Was it money? You think Billy Graham had enough money by that 87 year? You think he needed another crusade to fill up the coffers? I, I don't think so. It probably cost him more than he, you know, was bringing in. Um, what you know, these guys were they're at that they're ready to go. You know, retire. It probably took everything Billy Graham had just to get to Kansas. As a matter of fact, we had to delay the whole thing because his health. As I recall that, so he came up off the medical bed made this appointment in his wheelchair i mean the guy wasn't doing it for fame obviously he wasn't doing it for pride of life um i believe he did it because he loved the lord he believed he was doing what he was called to do now i know there's a lot of naysayers and billy graham has compromised in some ways and all that but hey he was an evangelist and that's what he did best so all power to him but paul said this uh, like this in first corinthians 9 let's go back to there since we're in first corinthians go back to chapter 9 and verse 16 you can see some motive here, some heart. He says, uh, I'll give you, are you guys there? Okay. Anybody want to read it? Just read 16 and 17.
Amen. So this is a necessity, right? Paul didn't do this because he had anything to glory of. It's like, oh, look at me. He understood that he had a responsibility, right? It was a necessity to preach the gospel. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. There was something at stake if he didn't do it. What might that be? Well, a Calvinist wouldn't believe this. A five-pointer wouldn't believe this. But the truth is we would have blood on our hands, right? It, because God needs people to get saved. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is, is, has got this precious blood that cleanses people from all unrighteousness. And people need to know about it. Just as one who would prepare to offer the sacrifice, uh, sacrificial lamb in the Old Testament would be covered in blood. So we have the blood of Christ on our hands in the sense that we were guilty of his death. But also we've gotten redeemed by his blood through uh, receiving him as our Lord and Savior. So uh, which side of the sword are we on? We're on the side where we have this life-giving blood coverage, so we need to give it to others as well. So we are compelled, obliged, to serve uh, uh, the things or the people we love. So are we selfish, self-indulgent, and serving, uh, self-serving? That's the question. Are we selfish, self-indulgent, and self-serving? Well, why is that? Because, well, we love ourselves, right? So when we get that way, we're loving ourselves and not God. When we're selfish, self-indulgent, self-serving, we love us and not God. And so um, it's sin that binds us, uh, but it's the love of God that's much more power, powerful than any struggle we have. So sometimes we love our sin and we want to stay there. But it doesn't matter what the sin is, God's able to free us from that struggle. And it's supernatural. There's no explanation to it. I was just dealing with a guy... Who had a? He was a, a functional alcoholic, and uh, he, you know, I was actually personally working with this guy, trying to get him a place to get rehab. And uh, you know what? God just took it. I mean, that does not happen very often. Where someone who's who's literally got to have a drink to get up in the morning could just drop it cold turkey without having all kinds of problems and dealing with all kinds of man. God just took it. But you know what that is? That's a miracle. It's just like Shane Watts, you know, when he was a meth user. He just dropped it. One day he got saved and it was gone. You know, that's a miracle. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't always happen like that for everybody, so I'm not saying if that doesn't happen for somebody and they're struggling. Uh, Some of those same people I'm talking about still struggle with other things. But there are strongholds. There are things that are just difficult that God will take because of his power. Once people get plugged in, the power comes on, and God says, "I got use for this tool," and it isn't what it isn't laying on the floor. It's to get up and go to work for me, and so uh, so we have work to do. God says, "You know what? I got work for you to do. I want to empower you to get the job done." Here's the gospel: it's the power of God and the salvation. Now go to it. So Paul said this in First Corinthians 15. Since we're just flipping through, just go back five more chapters, uh, chapter 15 and verse nine, resurrection chapter. He says, "For I am the least of the apostles that I'm." not meet to be called an apostle because i persecute the church of god he's got he's got baggage i mean no i mean he's got issues verse 10 but by the grace of god i am what i am popeye said and in his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but i labored more abundantly than they all yet not i but the grace of god which was with me 
So Paul says, you know what, I'm I'm the least of the apostles, but once I got a hold of grace, man, I went to work harder than everybody else. Acts 26, 10 through 11, I won't ask you to turn there uh, for time's sake. I'm going to wrap this up. But he says, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did. I shut down, I, I shut up in prison, having received the authority from the chief priest. And when they uh, were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Paul was persecuting the church. He said, I'm the one that put them in prison. I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even under strange cities. That's the life that Paul was living before Christ. Paul says, you know what, in verse 9 of chapter 15, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not me to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I don't deserve all this, but because I got the grace of God, but God, right, I am going forward with the faith and the power that God gave me. So, you know, we can't tell, you can't tell me and you can't tell God that your sin has more power than the love of God. I hate that. Well, you, well, but, well, but what? Right, God's power is enough. Paul had the the distinct distinction of giving permission uh, to stone the first martyr for Christ. I mean, that's a pretty heavy deal, right? First martyr, Paul becomes an apostle. The guy, the guy who's going to be giving the, the the distinction of seeing the first martyr, the deacon Stephen, get stoned, is also ends up becoming an apostle. Man, that's an uphill climb. But you know what? It is not an uphill climb. Why isn't it an uphill climb? It's because, yeah, the debt's been paid. It's because of the word grace. 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 God put him in a position to use him. And so, uh, so guess what? Paul's like, you know what? I'll give my life. I'll do whatever it takes. I've received so much grace. Um, and, and so uh, and he was once a leader of Israel. He's reje- he got rejected uh, by them because he ended up receiving Jesus Christ. And so you tell me what sin is so bad that the blood of Christ doesn't have power to cleanse it. So there's power tools on a Sunday morning, uh, maybe even here tonight. There's people that you guys are, you are, we are all reserved to be empowered by God. God wants us to be used in this power building process, right? Edifying one another in love. That's what Ephesians talks about. But a lot of people are powerless, right? It's like the cords broke, cut, the batteries drained, you know, it's not in the unit, whatever. You use whatever analogy for power tools you want to create in your mind. But the reality is, when you think about the power of Jesus and his shed blood, there is no more power than that. I mean, the grace of God is sufficient. I mean, that's faith. And it's not just like faith in something that's not tangible. This is tangible faith. Jesus Christ literally died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. And so, is there something? Yeah, okay. I thought that that's on up there. It's driving me crazy. So, uh, so, uh, so the power that we need first of all to be cleansed is the power of God in our life. That's okay, Jeff. It just it's been I thought I was having like a problem in my mind, so <laughs> I'm just like, what in the world? I had to stare at it for a second to make sure that it was real and not just my like I was having a nervous tick. So uh so that's where we're gonna stop. That's point A. So we got we got somewhere today. Um point A. Uh next week we'll get together and talk about God's love empowers us to have credible ministries. All right, so we made some hay by God's grace today. That almost rhymes. And we got done on time. All right, so uh, any questions, any comments about that discussion? Okay, let's... uh,
pray and I'll get ready to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time in your word. I pray a blessing of seeing and the hearing of your word and the application. Lord, may we plug into the power that you have for us so that we can accomplish the mission you have for us for your honor and glory. Lord, may we even enjoy persecution and distress and all those things for Christ's sake. Lord, thank you for loving us. We don't deserve it, but Lord, we still got it. Lord, we are weak, but you are strong. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.